XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. It just begs to tell you like how much energy and like how much I would say like Waverly is like the most haunted place I've ever been. And Walker and I just kind of like tap each other and we're like, are you seeing this? I think the biggest problem for you was you kept making eye contact so intensely. It just feels like someone keeps tapping me on the head. Every corner you would turn was the same corner you had just turned. You want to tap dance on a landmine? It was fun to bear witness to. And it felt like there were, um, like energies like, like swirling around me, and every now and then just kind of like tapping me on the head. And that was where I felt like I had the um, duck duck. I was playing duck duck goose with them. Way too many shadow figures. Way too many legs. You gotta wonder what was that? And why was that? That's another big question is the why. But once like Waverly woke up, it was very it was very awake and ready to roll. I think I'm good. Uh just, you know, always bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I guess. Greetings, friends and fiends, and welcome back to XV Planus. Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very happy to be here to dive further into the weird with you. When we left off last time, the team had just had an encounter with Ricky, or more commonly known as the Creeper to visitors of Waverly Hills. And for the record, you will all understand why we call it Ricky when we wrap this series up next week. After marveling at this phenomenon for nearly an hour, the team broke off into smaller groups to explore some of the different locations during the last two hours we had remaining. Some made their way back up to the fifth floor, and some took a little time to rest in the break room after a rather intense experience. As for myself, I joined Lisa and Todd to delve further into the shadows. I had become entranced by this entity that we crossed paths with. I have experienced quite a few oddities since starting this journey, but I had never, ever seen anything like this. I never thought I would. It wasn't long after leaving the site of the encounter before I developed a feeling that I was being followed. As we moved through the hallways, I would occasionally stop to look over my shoulder. The first few times I saw only empty hallways and darkness, but the feeling of being watched persisted. Ahead of us, I began to see the orbs again. You may remember this from Megan's mention of it on the last episode. 
It's almost like glitter. Like if you take glittery eyeshadow and you swipe it across a piece of paper, you get that trail of like glitter almost. So it was like one dot that would move and it would get like a little, almost a little glittery trail behind it and then it would catch up to itself and then it would move again. And it was changing colors. So it was like green, orange, green, blue, orange, like never red. It was always blue, blue, green, orangey. And that is a great way to describe it. Tiny little glimmers of light leaving a trail behind them as they moved. But behind these dancing lights, we began to observe moving shadows. This wasn't like what happened in the hallways. This was a shadow within the shadows. As Jill said, blacker than black. A shadow with mass. It didn't really take on a consistent form or shape, at least not at first. It just seemed to pour itself from one side of the hallway to the other, or from the floor to the ceiling. As we were witnessing this, the sensation that there was something behind me grew. As I turned to look around, I could see the shadow of a head poking out of one of the doorways approximately 50 feet down the corridor. Though I could see no eyes, I knew it was looking at me. After a moment, it slowly slipped back into the dense darkness of the room it appeared in. Turning my attention back to this other anomaly, we proceeded to move closer and closer to it. It seemed like every section of the hallway we would cross into, the orbs and dense shadows retreated to the next one further down. And with each section we would pass, I would give another glance behind me to find that our creeper was still there, head cocked in a manner that would remind one of a curious dog. At this point, my fear of this anomaly had passed, and I felt just as curious about it as it appeared to be about me. My attention was divided between these receding orbs and massive shadows and, to quote our friend Scott Philbrook, a cute little demigorgon. After we made it through a few more sections of the floor, the orbs eventually dissipated, and the amorphous shadow had evolved into something representing the shape of a person. With each advance, it would slip further and further down the hallway. And with each section, there was Ricky. Sometimes in the doorways, sometimes crouched on all fours in the corner, sometimes in the corner of the ceiling, head always cocked to the side. We pursued this shadow to the end of the floor where it seemed to fade into the natural shadows all around us. I believe at this point we were on the third floor, so we decided to make our way up to the fourth. Now, the fourth floor is the location that most other witnesses have seen the creeper, so I was anticipating the interaction to continue as we moved along, but what I wasn't expecting was for it to intercept us. On the floor below, I would see Ricky every time I would turn around, but now, on the fourth, I saw nothing when I looked behind me, but that feeling of being followed lingered. We pressed along, taking our time to let our senses adjust with each section. We were about halfway through the fourth level when it reappeared, but instead of lurking behind us, it was now in front of us, again, crouched on all fours, head cocked, and about 50 feet away from me. Here is where I get a little wacky with it. I set my equipment down, and I crouched down on all fours. I matched its pose as if I were mirroring it. After a moment of stillness, it moved towards me by one step and I slowly mimicked its movement, taking one step closer to it myself. This went on for quite a while, and I'm so glad that I had Lisa and Todd with me to witness it, because I still have trouble wrapping my own head around it. (laughs) 
So what I found really uh, in interesting about um, all of our different ways of seeing this thing and, and mm -hmm. the events that followed is a little bit later that evening, I broke off with just the two of you for a while. And we were walking up and down the fourth floor, or it was either the fourth or the third floor hallway, just wandering about. And that's when I started to to mention that, like, I think this thing is following me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, every time I look over yeah. my shoulder, that damn thing is there. Yeah. And this. You made a friend. Yeah, I made a friend. Cute little dent. Um, <laughs> But this uh, this led into probably one of the most intense experiences of the night for me, which is where I ended up trying to mimic this thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I'm glad that you two were there to see that because I still have trouble wrapping my own head around what happened. Yeah. But, yeah. Let's unpack that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you want to tap dance on a landmine. It was fun to bear witness to. But at the same time, you start to realize you're like, uh, oh, 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 the mimicry is a lot of fun and it's really interesting to see. But then that also begs the question, well, how much are you aligning or what exchange is happening that you're not aware of? And what does that entail? Like sometimes, again, you bring these things home, mm -hmm. these feelings, these uh, emotions uh, you kind of dealt with that a little bit yourself. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. The uh, the mimicry thing, that was, by that point, my fear of this thing had kind of faded. And, and the way it was behaving and following me, I'm like, okay, now I'm sharing this equal curiosity with something mm -hmm. that seems to absolutely. be following me. But at one point when I was mimicking it, I moved, I think, a little too close and too fast, and it backed away. And that's when we came across the second anomaly that I saw that night, mm -hmm. and I still can't wrap my head around, yeah. was the the little orbs that were bouncing around, and then how they kind of transcended into the shape that we saw. Right. So you got to wonder, what was that? And why was that? That's another big question, is the why. See, that's so the thing that bugs me. Like, the th not not our little... You know, Demogorgon, who's following us yeah. around. As a matter of fact, on the finale of this whole series, I'm going to surprise you guys with some of the stuff that we uncovered, and it explains a lot nice. why this thing might have been attracted to me. Good. Um, so I I actually feel a little bit of a kinship with, with this thing, okay. and I intend on uh, going back and exploring that at one point or another. But whatever we saw behind that, that's what kind of melted my brain. Now, the, the orbs, we saw the, that earlier when we first encountered this anomaly mm -hmm. in the, on the second floor. But it came back when it was just the three of us that second time, and that's when it got really weird. Yeah, that's when everything kind of transpired differently. And I think right around that time is when I actually threw in the towel myself, and I'm like, I think we should go meet up with everybody else now. I think the biggest problem for you was you kept making eye contact so intensely. And I, I get it, understanding that you may have a kinship and there is that bond and you just kind of want to reach in and you're both so inquisitive. But at the same time, you really don't know what the exchange is always. So eh, I, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> glad you have this. I'm glad we're going to keep playing with this. I'm just saying we need to take better notes. Yeah. And probably much better precautions. Uh, maybe. Maybe not so much a clinic sort. 
I continued to play red light, green light with this anomaly for several minutes. The game was bringing us closer and closer to one another. I only moved when it did, and only in the manner that it moved. We started with over 50 feet between us, but at this point, I was a mere 20 feet away. I could see more definition in its shape, enough that I could make out the faint shape of a face, the shadows of eye sockets staring at me. For the longest time, it stayed as still as a statue. And though my eyes were locked on it, in the distance I could see the shadow mass moving around again. But I would not take my eyes off this thing in fear of losing track of it. The anticipation started to grow in the moment of stillness and I couldn't contain myself. I did not wait for my new friend to move first, and so I took one step closer. And apparently I startled it because at that moment it shuffled back into the darkest room behind it and dissipated into the shadows. Mildly disappointed in its retreat, I got off of the floor and the three of us stared further down the hallway to focus on the black mass shifting in the distance. As it moved, the lights returned. Tiny little dots of light bouncing from wall to ceiling to floor and constantly changing colors. One of them started as a light green dot on the floor that streaked over into orange on the wall and then a blue on the opposite wall into a brighter light of red that stayed fixated on the ceiling. Another followed suit bouncing from wall to wall, changing colors until it moved to the ceiling, turning red, and landing right next to the other one. In that moment, the shadows from the ceiling seemed to pour down to the floor, becoming more dense as it did. It was almost like watching a bottle in the shape of a human being get filled with the absence of light. And when it finished, I was staring at a nine-foot-tall human shape with glowing red eyes staring at me. It was around then that I said, maybe it's time we go catch up with the others. We went straight through the rest of that hallway and we heard everybody else on the other end, right? So we were basically working our way towards each other. Right. Now, I don't so know we if... thought. Yeah, right. So we thought. So it, it's almost like the hallway kept extending. Yeah. 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 Is that a is that a fair uh, comment, Todd? You say yeah. yeah that's why right. I said so we thought. Every corner you would turn was the same corner you had just turned. Mm. It was it was very repetitive. It was very I House had, of Leaves. Yes, very, very House much, of Leaves. Very much so. I can't say that it felt like it went on forever, like it was longer than it was supposed to, but it felt like the time that it took to go that short a distance wasn't relative to the actual distance we traveled. Yeah. And we weren't like meandering slowly. We were just walking, but it felt like we were walking for like three days and another Tuesday after that. Like it time wasn't running right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There seems to be, uh, and, and people often refer this to, like you know, the the telescopic camera view where you know it mm-hmm. makes hallways appear longer. There seems to be a fog that happens to people in Waverly, and it's not just our group; it's pretty much everybody who walks through that place. Where the same comment is made, it's like we should have reached the other end of this hallway like five minutes ago. This is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but as we uh, as we approach the group again, and I. I I can't remember which one of you I said it to. The rest of our group, which was six of them, mm-hmm. we finally got to the point where 
they were close enough that we could actually kind of see shadows. I don't know about you guys. I saw way more than six shadows. Oh, yeah. It, yeah? I mean, it, it looked like 12 to 15, somewhere around yeah. in there. And maybe it was just a trick of the light, but as we approached them, it they called. Absolutely. Com- yeah, okay. So. It absolutely was. No, no, you're totally right. No, yeah. I'm not saying it absolutely was. I'm saying it absolutely could have been just a trick of light, a trick of radiance. Considering there's only really one light source and that being the moon that night, though, that makes it a little bit more challenging for it to be able to split into that many directions. And that's what threw, threw me off is as we're approaching this, I'm seeing like massive shadows and each step we get, they all kind of slowly compact mm-hmm. into each other. But that whole experience of approaching them was incredibly disorienting because the way that sound was working at that time and because of where our depth perception yeah. was, we weren't, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I was like six feet away from them. I'm like, oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> with as bright as the moon was, though, and with how many window openings are there, there was light coming in from so many different directions that it really truly does limit how far you can see. You're being distracted to each light source. And even if, even if it's subconsciously, your eye is transitioning to the light source. Hmm. So is that what causes our visual anomalies? That's one of the like many thought processes that I was going through. Like, just trying to think about it in as scientific a way as possible. Well, what like, other cause? And that's why I liked you having you as our skeptic on this one is because you're you're pretty grounded with, with all this stuff and you do your best to, to make sense of it all. And to be honest, nine times out of ten, yeah, it's particularly poor lighting and our inability to really see that far into the spectrum that Absolutely. probably causes a lot of this stuff. But even you, being a skeptic, can admit that something was very, very different on those two experiences that we were dealing with, like the creeper and the shadow entities. So, Ricky, as we'll call him. Absolutely. So, I was a machine gunner when I was in the Army. Uh, They made me a machine gunner because my vision is horrible unless there's movement. So, if there's movement anywhere downrange, I can hit it. But if it's a stationary target, I don't see it. Interesting. I can see a lot of movement. Like... That is what has me as inquisitive as I am, is how much movement I saw. Nothing that I can do can explain it, though. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think the point is to explain it anymore. It's just to keep exploring it at this point. Absolutely. Eventually, we ran into Sonny and Walker, who joined us as we pressed forward into the void. Ever so often, I'd take another peek behind me to see if my new friend was still following. It definitely was. After a while, we started to hear chatter from the other end of the hallway. We thought we were approaching the rest of the team, and in fact, we were. But as we got closer, that is not what we saw. When we walked up, This is when you, Walker, and I were off on our own, and we were walking up up the hallway, I would say. And when we saw, like, way too many shadow figures and way too many legs, and Walker, you were a little bit (laughs) behind Walker and I, 
And Walker and I just kind of like tap each other and we're like, are you seeing this? <laughs> like, that's that's a lot of people, right? And then we're, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm seeing this. And I just shout out. I'm like, guys, is that, please somebody talk. Is that you? Yeah. And then like we hear a couple Jill voices come Megan, out. Yeah, yeah. We're like, okay. So some of those legs are accounted for, but they were way more <laughs> than were actually there. That was my experience. Like, that's when I really had the experience with the shadow figures and the creeper that we, well, what we call the creeper. For all of the intense events that happened among the group, there were a few of us that witnessed smaller, almost personally tailored events. Shortly after this reunion with the rest of the team, Sunny experienced one herself. I think the craziest personal thing for me was when we were looking down the hallway, trying to see what shadows we could make out. And it was after all of these events of seeing the creeper and the shadow entity and the orbs had happened. And we were all there as a group. I think there was at least five of us. And I kind of knelt down. I guess I squatted and kind of put my hand down straight on the floor just to like get my bearings and looking down the hallway. And there was a sudden flash of light and it was super fast. And I look up above me thinking that someone had just, like, taken a picture with their iPhone or something. And I look up and I was like, did anybody else see that? Did somebody just see a flash? And everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, no, nobody has a phone in their hand. Nobody has a flashlight going off. And it wasn't until later, like, I remember this moment and, like, reflecting back on it. I realized that looking down at my hand, the floor was clean in that flash of light. And <laughs> people, if you can be there, this place is not clean. <laughs> um, far from it. So, like, the floor was spotless and there was, like, fresh paint on the walls in this millisecond of a flash of light. And that stuck with me. Hmm. That was super intense. In that moment, I didn't think, I didn't think much of it. It wasn't until afterwards that I kind of sat back and was thinking about all the things that happened. Because it happened so fast, I was like, okay, that could have been anything. And then, not only until I reflected on it, I realized that in that, in this, that second that the floors were clean and that the walls were painted and that everything was pristine. It wasn't immediate, like, reaction knowing that that's what it was because you just see a flash of light, you're immediately asking other people if if they saw it too. Hmm. And nobody else responded to it, huh? Or no, they, nobody saw it. Absolutely, hmm. no. And nobody's phone was out. There was nothing else there. In that flash, did did you only did you did you only like just get a glimpse of the the floor and and maybe things on the periphery or, or are there any details that stand out to you? I w I happen to just be looking down at my hand, like getting my balance, 
mm-hmm. before I looked up, and the flash had happened when I was looking down at my hand. So I only saw the floor and what was in my peripheral. It just stands out a lot because that's it's a little eerie that things are so pristine when that place is not pristine nowadays. Glimpse into the past. Yes, yeah. 100%. And, like, even the walls were, like, this bluish, bluish-green, very bright not very bright, very light color. And going back, and I think we've looked at the photos, and it it almost matches perfectly. After this, everyone dispersed again, with some returning back to the fifth floor. I lurked in the shadows to play red light, green light with Ricky for just a little bit more, but I was never able to get as close as I did during our last encounter. I made my way back up to the fifth floor as well to find Alejandro giving the Estes session a go. Most of the team was sitting on the floor in a circle, watching and listening, but Walker was the one that the spirits seemed to flock to. So you, you ventured off elsewhere with, uh, with a smaller group. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what went on during that time period? Yeah, I want to say that we just went up to the fifth floor um, and started to like try to communicate. The first thing that I did was Alejandro and I sat um, like outside on the porch of the fifth. I guess you call it the porch, like the roof section. Yeah, that we were able to walk out on um, and just kind of like he like burned. He did some. Um, I don't. He didn't burn, but he like did some marking with at with ash for me and just like a little bit of protection um, just since I was feeling so physically sick. Um, And then, you know, hung out, just kind of gathered my thoughts. And then we went into the room um, on the fifth floor, like that we had access to with the children, the children played at. Right. And that was really interesting to me because that was when it felt like, um, I want to say Alejandro was doing a, an Estes session or like we were attempting one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where he went under. And um, I was sitting down, like, on the floor. And every time I was in the building, it, I just felt sick. Like, I just needed to be, like, able to look out and be, um, like, in open air, get fresh air. Um, so I was just sitting down, cross-legged, just on the floor. And it felt like there were, um, like, energies, like, like swirling around me and every now and then just kind of like tapping me on the head. And that was where I felt like I had the, um, duck, duck, I was playing duck, duck goose with them. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So that was really interesting. I was just like, I remember telling, like, I think Sonny was up there. I just remember saying like, it just feels like someone keeps tapping me on the head. And I was just so annoyed at that point. Cause I was like, y'all are like, I'm sick. I'm trying to like, stick this out and like everybody leave me alone investigation and they just like are poking me on the head and i'm just like man y'all are awful <laughs> just sitting here poking me and i just heard stuff in like in the background too like you know you hear like the weird you sit in a certain place long enough and they kind of wake up around you so i feel like it's you, uh, it's true hear them. yeah yeah did, 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 were you starting to get like the the whispers and stuff from yeah your, definitely the, yeah I think they just like, once they start getting really comfortable with you, they're just like, all right, 
like these people are cool. Let's hang out with them. But you just you you just weren't feeling it at that point. <laughs> no, I mean I was there to collect evidence as a trooper for the podcast, obviously. But um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a tough experience. Like I feel bad because I feel like I've kind of tapped out. Um, I definitely was like I can't sleep in this house um, for Sally House. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> um, for this one, I was like, no, nah, we're gonna you know stick it out and stay in. But I became a more frequent visitor to the break room. Yeah. I think that overall, like you look at the second half of the night and like we caught some really, really crazy stuff. And, um, I really want to get back out there and do it again. You know, I think, um, we have like a more concise, like, like we just said, I think we have a more concise, um, like outlook on what we should do. And, um, no places to avoid and like really cut our teeth on getting to the bottom of like researching exactly what happened. And, um, cause I think this time it was really interesting to go in, you know, we obviously weren't blind, like we had done plenty of research, but now we're like really researching and really getting, uh, hyper, in- hyper information to like, Oh yeah. Go yeah. in and ask like the exact right questions, you know, it just, begs to tell you like how much energy and like how much I would say like Waverly is like the most haunted place I've ever been. Just, you know, I think there was so much going on that we didn't even pick up on. Cause we were like the other experience that the other main experience we had was Sally house. Yeah. Um, where things like come and go. Um, but once like Waverly woke up, it was very, it was very awake and ready to roll. Yeah. It was definitely not pulling any punches on us. That's for sure. It was, I mean, we, we got what we asked for, man, and it, it delivered. And it just kept delivering over and over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like, looking back on that and then comparing it to the Sally House, like, Sally House is chicken feed compared to, to what we went through at Waverly. All right, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to touch on for this final stretch of our investigation episode? No, I just think... Um you know, we have a lot of really interesting points of view and perspectives and, um, I'm high hope that theirs are more, are more clear than mine. Uh, but I definitely feel like my, the way that I was affected was, was super interesting. Um, and definitely worth, uh, diving into just like the physical aspect of it, you know? While Walker was being forced into a game of Duck Duck Goose, Alejandro was picking up signals that seemed to indicate that there were spirits of at least a couple of children who had come to see just exactly what we were up to. That was interesting, particularly being in the kids' area, because like there was a lot of like kid-centric like imagery i think that was coming through or like as far as like descriptors and stuff like i was i was going through the uh and and thank you liz uh for keeping such like detailed you know notes of of everything that i was saying because i just went through and um there's like six pages of stuff (laughs) um and a lot of it had to do with like there was like baseball mentioned in different capacities that's right Yeah, yeah the word bat and bases and balls and stuff like that. And, um, 
like uh there would there would be like distinct moments where it sounded like a kid saying like oh i won you know and stuff like that it just which is all what i was reporting to like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were mentioned at one point mm-hmm. um kids asking for their mom like i think going through i saw the word mom pop up like three times i think yeah during that seg- segment and all that. And that was a good while. I mean, I don't know exactly how long that must have been. Probably about 45 minutes I or would so. say so. Something like that, yeah. So it definitely seemed like a lot of things that the kids would bring up. You know, there was a rabbit was brought up, which I'm sure there were stuffed animals. Yeah, so it definitely, I think it made sense what I was hearing for it being in the kids' area. Mm-hmm. For sure. <clears throat> I remember at one point, it it the words that were coming through in the phrases and stuff made it seem to me that like one of the orderlies might have come through and been like hush i think like the word hush came through and stuff like that like it's it's time for lights out that kind of a thing hmm. <clears throat> that went on for a while like to the point where i think uh when i went under there was a good a good few of us in there and then um when uh, I th- I think it was it was Megan maybe that like tapped me like hey you know we're we're kind of finishing up there was only like three people in the room <laughs> so everyone had kind of wandered off to do their own things and stuff like that but I uh, like after that I like gathered everybody back up in that same room um, to take a shot with uh, the Polaroid cameras um, which I have the the photo here and so I think we got everybody here so and I'm assuming we'll post this up on the. Uh, on the page, but I took a group photo of us, um, from a, like a window ledge that was facing into the, uh, into that room. Um, so I took it with all of us and it's, it's a good photo. It's a good group photo. And then immediately after that, um, when everyone cleared the room, I, I stayed in that same exact spot and took a photograph from the exact same, same angle perspective and all that. And so I just called out into the room, like, Hey, you know, thanks for, thanks for chatting. If any, you know, if, if any of you want to, um, be in the photo here you know now's the time and so i just waited a moment then i was like all right smile and i took a photo of just the empty room and there's there's a distinct like luminescent form that looks like small like like child size in the polaroid photo there where there wasn't anything that would reflect it's clearly luminescent with like a distinct like where a head would be it's very luminescent and then like a, a form that seems to be almost like a torso um, like underneath that. So, is this in the uh, the stack that you scanned and sent yeah. to me? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I will so. definitely yeah. post that for. Yeah. So, and that's from the exact same angle and perspective, the exact same shot of the just group of shot, the empty room. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. So, so that was neat. That was definitely a, a neat little thing to to find once the photo developed. The funniest thing. That stood out to me is when we did the Estes session upstairs in the playroom on the fifth floor. And at this point, we had Alejandro listening. And I had made a few things for us to snack on and give us nutrients <laughs> while we were there, let's say. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> and we're talking... And it seems like we're communicating with this child. I mean, we are in the playroom, so that would make sense. Suddenly, they start saying peanut butter and jelly. Now, no one knows that I happen to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bring there. 
And this kid that was talking to us just kept saying peanut butter and jelly. And then eventually he says, in my mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, do you want us to bring you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> yes. So we did leave one for him. Uh, John, tour guide John, did uh, ask us if we left one. And we told him yes. And he's like, okay, I just need to make sure. Because apparently someone there before asked if they could leave a candy bar. And he said, sure. But they didn't just leave a candy bar. They literally cut it up and, like, sprinkled it everywhere all over the floor, which brought a ton of ants. Oh, jeez. So that was not a great scenario. I did not catch that story. Yeah. He's oh, like, man. so now I'm weird about people leaving food. But he's like, that was really... Because he, he witnessed this happening. So he was like, That's yeah. right. He was there with this. He's yeah. like, yeah, he should definitely leave them a peanut butter jelly sandwich but i will go back and make sure <laughs> that it's not just sitting there i think i'm good uh just you know always bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich i guess yeah we're gonna add that to the list it was almost 4 a.m by this point knowing that we only had about a half hour left we made our way to the break room and i started my equipment inventory and packing while I was preparing for departure, Alejandro, Liz, and Jill made their way down to the death tunnel for one last look, and in contrast to the dark and heavy experiences that we had had throughout the evening, they all had one final interaction that concluded our investigation on a much more moving and emotional note. We'll hear from Alejandro first. I think out of all of us, I probably went down to death shoot the most because i went down three times i went down with liz i went down with you and walker and then at the very end of the night um i went down there with uh jill and lisa and todd mm-hmm. um and so i was there for um the whole thing with with todd tossing the uh little led light down the way and then the whole thing where where it looked like like a gateway down there the way that the light landed it just like perfectly um, through light up the wall and then across the floor to make it look like a like a luminescent doorway. Um, you opened a portal, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when when Jill, you know, was, was um, you know, speaking very like kindly and tenderly to the spirits that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I, that was a very positive end to the night. I think I think that would be all of the points of interest that I particularly particularly uh, garnered from the trip. It was it was. A lovely trip overall. Um, I'm very happy that I was able to join for that. The location is is beautiful. The whole building is in, incredibly. It's in, truly yeah. a wonder. Mm-hmm. It, it it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, definitely uh, would love to go back again. That was an experience that uh, I would like to repeat. Oh, that's that's the plan, brother man. Yeah. I, I can tell you right now. Come uh, uh, come this March, we're either going to be doing two nights at Waverly. Or we might go out to the UFO highway. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, we have we have many things to discuss as a group uh, because I do want to make both of those happen sometime next year. It's just a matter of when is the right timing for all of them. Yeah. Awesome. Jill took a little time to stay behind as Alejandro and Liz headed back to home base and in doing so, was the recipient of the last sliver of activity of our investigation. And I have to say, I'm really happy that this was the closing moment of our experience. 
Really not much. Um, there was one point I was following Walker around and um, I think I had Ama on FaceTime and she said, who's walking in front of you? And I said, that's Walker. And she said, well, there's a there's a child that's walking right behind him, almost ready to like, you know, cling to the, the back of his leg. Hmm. And Walk, Walker is very tall. So, you know, must have been, I think from her description, maybe like a spirit of a toddler or something. But no, I didn't really um, experience anything very much for for probably for probably hours because I didn't have my big experience until like the last ten minutes before we left. Right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that because um, I think this is a, a great way to bring all this home. And in, in spite of some of the no no pun intended creepier things that uh, that happened throughout the course of that evening. Um, there were some positive notes as the night started to kind of wind down and Alejandro has shared some as well, but you had one in particular that stood out to you. Yeah. And, um, you know, so keep in mind, you know, I, I just, I rail on this all the time, but I really believe in respecting the dead. And I, and when you go to these places, you really have to, to mourn the dead. Um, I found that this investigation was even more um, impactful, you know, since we, you know, we had gotten through COVID and, you know, the people who died at Waverly, you know, they died of tuberculosis, which is a horrible disease. And I can tell you as a microbiologist, um, you know, we, we may still go through this again because it's now um, becoming resistant to a lot of antibiotics that we use to cure TB. Mm. Um, It's something that really, you know, a lot of, doctors are kind of, you know, worried about, um, it's reemergence. It is a suffocation disease. Um, my father died of lung cancer. Um, when you cannot breathe, that is the worst feeling in the whole world. So whenever I go into places like this, I'm, that's always kind of also at the back of my mind, you know, what these people went through, you know, biologically and, and, and medically. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the death shoot, the death tunnel, um, you know, I'm sure you talked about this, but it was used originally to bring supplies into Waverly Hills. And when so many people started to die, it was used to take the bodies out. Um, the reason being is they didn't want to upset the other patients by the sheer number of death that was happening there. Yeah. However, that kind of bothers me, too, because literally these people were being taken out like the trash. Um, I don't think that people meant any disrespect, but, you know, you start having a lot of bodies, um, you know, you're ferrying and, you know, there's only so much space, um, you know, to take them down this tunnel and to get them out to the, you know, the waiting carts. I'm not even sure how, how the bodies were disposed of after they were taken out to Waverly. I don't know if they went to a funeral home or I, I, I don't know anything about that part of it. That's something that we want to look into, actually, and uh, I'm glad you brought that up. But please continue. Sorry. Um, so, so at the at the bottom of the tunnel, you know, at the time there there was just a door or a gate, and there was a there was a road, and there was also railroad cars too, I believe, so that um, mm-hmm. things could be transported in and out of of the hill. Um, so the death tunnel to me, there is a lot of concentrated energy there. Um, I don't know how quickly the dead were rushed out of their room or out of their morgue, you know medical science now we're also starting to learn that you know people's consciousness could hang around for maybe three hours after death yeah so that these things are just also chilling to me to you know to think that you know you would 
still be trying to come to terms with your death. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in this, you know, this really depressing concrete tunnel and everything. So every single time I've ever gone in the death chute, I have always, almost always gotten emotional. I will cry for like no provocation, but you know, so this time um, we had maybe like 10 or 15 more minutes before we were supposed to leave the building. Uh, I believe that we had all assembled at that point. We thought, well, where do we want to spend our last, you know, 10 or 15 minutes? And uh, so we had all gone to the the death tunnel. Um, everyone wanted to walk down to the bottom of the tunnel. Um, that was not something I did not need that more cardio workout for the night. So, um, <laughs> there was, that was enough. Yeah, yes. it, it's a 45 degree <laughs> angle. Yeah, I, I was pretty beat at that point. Plus, you know, I've, I've been down there numerous times and... Um, so I was alone at the at the top of the tunnel, and uh, after everyone moved down, due to the angle, you can't uh, you can't really see the top of the tunnel when you're at the bottom, and and vice versa. All you can kind of see is if um, someone has their light on yeah. at the base of the tunnel. So I was uh, I was leaning against the wall, and I had turned my light off. I usually have like a red light around my neck. I turned it off, and I just sat there, and I kind of entered sort of a prayerful sort of zen-like state and um and i basically was um was grieving for the dead of waverly i was i was talking to them like i always do and uh i had turned around and faced the bottom of the tunnel when i opened my eyes and right then i saw this basketball shaped glowing bluish white orb is the best way to describe it but it was self-illuminating and it was about maybe um, three or four feet in front of me. It winked out and then it instantly winked back on and it was closer to me. And it did that twice. It came within about maybe an arm's reach from me. I probably could have reached out and touched it. Um, that was another one of those kind of quandaries you go through in your mind. It's like, should I try to touch it? Like, you know, would it hurt me? You know, I just, you know, I don't know. And I was really still pretty much in sort of shock and awe. Yeah. And, um, and it, it winked out for the final time. And at that point, um, I turned my light back on. And that's just about when uh, the rest of the team members were just kind of scaling the, the top of the tunnel. And I don't think anyone else saw it. But um, we hadn't really, like, you know, asked everyone, so I'm not sure about that. But, I, I mean, to me, it felt like it was an experience that was just meant for me. And that, to me, was, you know, the, the spirits were there. They are still there. And, you know, we can interact with them. And I think they acknowledged that I was, like, trying to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when, when everybody came up, you know, we talked about it. And so then the conversation turned to, you know, if you are still here, we are all getting ready to leave. Please follow us. We will show you the way out of Waverly Hills. And um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I know there's, there's probably so many spirits there, but I, I like to think that maybe a couple followed us out that night. And we gave them safe passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes spirits need to be told it, it's okay to leave, you know, you're, you know, you're medically discharged or it, it's okay, you know, and try to, try to show them the way. It's an interesting thought. And, and to be honest, like the, you know, I, we did, we did tons of research on Waverly before we even went, but ever since we went to Waverly, we've done even more. And, um, 
it's it's taken me down this rabbit hole of so many different individuals' stories. And now the next time we go back, whenever whenever we do go back, I think I'm going to kind of lean into that direction with you. Like that's kind of the way that I want to go about it. Now, that being said, we, we know that I'm going to put myself up to be bait again, <laughs> but, um, um, but I don't want that to be the focus of it. You know, the next time we go back, I, I want to spend a little bit more time in uh, the areas where things are a little bit more calm and peaceful. See who we can invite into the circle to talk with us. See who we can help. Yeah, I did briefly walk by. I know when Alejandro was having his session of, of communicating with the children up on fifth floor. And, and that's what I would really encourage. I mean, just really, you know, focus on the positive aspects. And, um, you know, yeah, there there's darkness. There's, there's always darkness, but you get to choose whether you want to embrace the darkness or the light. And I always embrace the light. And so it was the end of our investigation. At least the investigation of the site. Tired yet wired, the team slowly packed up all of our belongings, put them back into our cars, and departed to get some well-deserved rest. Lisa and Todd were kind enough to house most of us misfits on this trip, so we made our way back to their house to unwind, have a few celebratory rounds, and, as a group, process all that we had experienced that night. We're going to close out the interviews of this eventful adventure by once again hearing from our rad human hosts and hear their closing thoughts on the evening. Uh, as far as from my take on it, it was nice to go back with some people who've been there before, people who've never been there before, somebody who didn't know shit about it. So you have a wide scope of people, and I think that was a big part of the magic of it because then you have people of all different ranges experiencing pretty much very similar situations trying to explore it but from a very respectful standpoint and that's always great to be a part of you know so it was good it's gonna be even better um i do think we need to scope out some things a little bit differently i would like to actually make a personal uh accountability moment here i need to sit down and write out everything I feel and think afterwards, like take a whole day to digest that and give more diligence towards that. Um, didn't do my best, obviously. I still remember everything for the most part, but I would like to have had better notation. So at least going into that the next time, knowing we're going to have a little bit more time to also do so, that's something I like to more explore yeah. and just really see what kind of common threads we all differently have. Absolutely. I think uh, with with us doing two nights in a row next time, I think it would be important that uh, on both nights, since we're going to better prepare ourselves this time and, and kind of mentally and physically prepare ourselves for what we're going to go through, yeah. we're going to make it a point that like when we leave there at five o'clock, we're going to go to a Waffle House and I'm going to bring out the little DAT recorder and I'm, we're just going to pass yeah. it around the table. Everybody can talk about stuff while it's still fresh in their minds and nice. I'll share the files with everybody. Yeah, good deal. Todd, good deal. anything else you wanted to uh, to share on your end, my friend? Uh, I've got some super top secret ideas for what we're going to do next time. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Still going to go into it with an open mind, and that's the best thing I can do. I mean, I, I'm not swayed one way or the other, but I am definitely not stopping exploring. You're definitely intrigued, at the very least, after this Absolutely. trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Awesome. It's going to be good times. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for making time to uh, join us. And uh, Thank if, you. Yeah, if you have any other last-minute thoughts that you want to throw in, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, and we will definitely have you back uh, on the next duration that we do Waverly because this is going to be a once-a-year thing for us, I think, moving forward. Hell yeah. Yeah. So you down. guys are in the team. We honestly, Lisa, you hit it. We had the perfect group of people. It really is. It really, really is. Yeah. We have so many different veins of life and so many different theologies and philosophies mixed into it and so many educational levels and experiences and non-experiences. Mm -hmm. It's a really good group. It really was. It was. Todd, you were our missing piece, man. Otherwise, it just would have been a whole bunch of nutcases who already believe in all of this stuff. So we would have just just fed the fire. Looking to learn. (laughs) It's scary how he's the voice of reason. That is kind of weird. I just got a chill. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I love you all so much. Thank you again for hopping on the show, and we will talk to you guys soon. All right. Stay right. I would like to thank the whole crew who dove into this madness with me. Walker, Alejandro, Jill, Meg, Sonny, Lisa, Todd, and Liz – You were all the perfect blend of people to experience this with, and I can't wait to go back, hopefully with this exact same team. So, that brings us to the end of our investigation, but the research did not stop there, and we still have one more story of Waverly Hills to share with you. Tune in next week to hear my own personal conclusions as to what's really going on within those halls and walls, and to hear a fascinating tale of one of the location's most enigmatic patients, shadow eyes, his potential connection to the creeper, and why that might shed a little bit of light on its interest in me. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere as XVPlanus. And you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes. If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and review us. Tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people at the bus stop about us. You can also support us by going to www.patreon.com slash xvplanus and subscribing to gain access to our exclusive content. Be sure to check out all of the great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, like Luxacult, Primordia, Unearthing Paranormalcy, and so many more. You can check them all out by going to www.tgmpodcastnetwork.com. This show is produced in Durham, North Carolina, and is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music from the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods or anywhere you stream your music. No part of this show or its music may be reproduced without consent. Copyright Folds and Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood, and this has been XV Planus. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. I'll see you in the between. In abambratio, in fluctus, subveilum.